Welcome to the Perpetual Learner podcast brought to you by CPP Shift's Alumni Relations Committee, where we focus on interviewing STEM professionals who want to give back to the community through mentorship, support, and development to those who are seeking professional guidance. On today's episode, we'll be talking about getting a full-time offer without an internship. My name is Benjamin Jimenez. I am a third-year mechanical engineer, and I am one of the co-hosts along with Jesus. Hey, everyone. My name is uh, Jesus Palos-Velos. I am an alumni from Cal Poly Pomona. I graduated uh, in 2021 with a Bachelor of Science in Aerospace Engineering, and I am a former, I did uh, participate in SHIP during my time at Cal Poly, and now I'm back serving in the Alumni uh, Relations uh, Committee. And today we are joined by SHIP alumni Peter Cortez, and uh, Peter, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely, and thank you guys for having me here. So, like you guys said, my name is Peter Cortez. I attended Cal Poly from 2014 to 2020, studying aerospace engineering with a minor in materials engineering. I uh, was heavily involved in SHIP at Cal Poly for about four years, which included being a part of the fundraising committee and the professional development committee. I really enjoyed my time doing uh, both committees and, you know, besides making, you know, lifelong friends that I've had, you know, that I like to think that are gonna be friends from, you know, from here in the future. I've also, you know, a, a huge personal highlight of mine was being the uh, event coordinator and MC of the fourth annual professional development symposium. That was a really cool experience that I had because I believe that it kind of tested my organizational and public speaking skills. So really enjoyed my time doing that. And as of right now, I am currently on the onboarding process at Northrop Grumman as, a, as an associate systems engineer, where I will be a part of the missile defense system at Northrop Grumman's uh, Boulder, Colorado facility. So that's kind of what my status is right now, but I do have a lot of plans in the future. Uh, so for example, you know, I plan to advance my career in the aerospace industry, specifically in the field of astrodynamics. And I also plan to start a second career as a real estate agent, which I know it sounds kind of strange, you know, the two really don't, you know, mix, but it is what I plan to do. And that's a whole separate thing of what I would want to do in my career. But uh, outside of that, I also plan on being heavily involved with SHIP and with other organizations that will help attract young students to enter career fields in STEM, and that also help current students in STEM fields. Awesome. And uh, with that being said, uh, welcome to the show, Peter. For sure. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. And then, uh, so I guess we're going to start getting the ball rolling here. And then the first topic of discussion is, uh, so can you talk a little bit about your personal experience in trying to get a full-time offer without an internship? I think uh, my journey to find a full-time offer started maybe in my graduating year, or before my graduating year, which was, I think it was the summer of 2019. And, you know, I kind of, you know, walked in, like you said, to my graduating year, knowing that, you know, I didn't have any internship experience. All I had was, you know, a bunch of project experience, but I had to know that I had to kind of utilize that to my advantage. But before I could even do any of that, I had to make sure that I was kind of like, I was making sure that I was in the right mindset and knowing that, you know, I will find a full-time offer of some sort, which is something that like a friend told me when we were having a conversation, when I was talking to him about this. And I kind of really put my mind at ease because knowing that like the way they explained it to me that, you know, everyone finds like, you know, a job after college and, you know, in the field that they want to study, if they do their due diligence and, you know, pursue that and if they have a goal. So it really kind of put my mind at ease knowing that, you know, it's like, you know what, he's right, companies hire every year. So at some point, you know, I will be able to find something. But that was the first thing that I kind of had to uh, implement that into my mindset. 
And also I had to make sure to kind of never compare myself with others because I've actually seen that firsthand of how it's so easy, your confidence kind of breaks down when you're comparing yourself with somebody else or you kind of see somebody like that, you know, or an acquaintance say, you know, like, hey, I have a full-time offer or like, uh, you know, a Boeing or something like that. And you're still searching. So I made sure to never do that because I think that really destroys somebody's confidence and their ability to try and kind of like keep going and pursuing like their goal of whatever that goal may be. So that's kind of like the mindset that I kind of had to, to be in. And also when I kind of first started, you know, trying to find a full-time offer, I kind of had to kind of gauge and weigh my expectations versus, you know, the reality of things, which, so for example, like the way that I was able to process that when I first started was that I kind of like simultaneously had like an optimistic point of view, but also kind of like a pessimistic mindset as well. So the more positive side of me would say things like, you know, you're going to do your best. You're going to, you know, do your due diligence to find like a full-time offer. You're going to take the necessary steps to try and accomplish your goal. But then again, at the same time, I'm looking at, you know, I guess you could say the more negative side. And from there, I would kind of see like, you know, I would tell myself, you know, things like, how good are your chances? Are they kind of low, kind of high? Uh, you know, they're probably, if you kind of take like the balance of probabilities, you know, you might be up, you know, up against like, you know, people who have, you know, are in a better situation than you are. But in regardless of both, I always made sure that I have to be more uh, optimistic than pessimistic. So no matter what I did, I had to be sure that I was, you know, you know, that would make sure that I would be proud of any job offer that I would get, whether it be something that, you know, I might not be super interested in or might not, but regardless, I got my foot in the door and, you know, maybe this is just step one to accomplishing what my long-term goals are, you know, as an engineer. So I got into that kind of mindset and also did other few little things here and there. Like I made sure that I was open to kind of, you know, various positions, even the ones that weren't exactly my first choice, but, you know, I still wanted to find or wanted to do or that I found very interesting. So having, you know, having those couple of things, I believe kind of really increased my chances of getting like my foot in the door or anything like that. And there is like a huge process as well to it of like what I would say, you know, of, of my whole journey through from where I was from, I guess you could say the beginning of my of my um, graduating year, all the way to when I found like my job offer, which was back in, I think it was November, 2020. So it was almost like a year and a half afterwards. So that's where I think your mindset should be to even begin with. Okay, Peter. So do you have any tips for students who maybe graduated or don't have an internship under their belt so they can uh, have that kind of mindset that you were developing uh, during your uh, process of looking for a job? Yeah, so I kind of like how I said before, I, you know, you kind of have to, um, I guess you could say, kind of trust like the process that you're going through and making sure that, you know, you have, you know, uh, I, I think some things that I would actually say is to kind of make sure that you already are heavily involved in, in your academic work in and out of the classroom. So kind of think of it as like prerequisites, I guess you could say, like before you even in the position that I was in, you have to be sure that you were already, you know, heavily involved in both technical projects and extracurricular activities. And the reason why you want to do that is because you kind of want to make sure that 
your resume is filled with good content. So, you know, like, so for example, um, when I was in at Cal Poly, I made sure to join clubs like um, NGCP, which is a North Women collaboration project. I made sure to do a bunch of class projects that were beneficial to the, to the fields that I wanted to go into within the aerospace industry. I also made sure that I was involved with SHIP because I know SHIP, you know, um, it increases, you know, your organizational skills, your leadership skills, and it kind of gets your professional skills going as well. So I made sure to join all those things and also made sure to kind of like uh, make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, my resume was like filled all the way to the bottom and that there was no space, no, no empty spaces, like once I was done typing that, typing it all out. So I would say make sure that you're heavily involved in and out of the classroom even before you start, like you even start your, it, you even start your job search or for an internship for underclass under, or for any undergraduates as well. Can you talk about the process you went through to land your full-time offer? Yeah, so um, like I mentioned before, uh, the, those are like kind of the prereqs that you have to even be to be in a kind of similar position that I was. But after you know you fulfill those prereqs, hopefully that you have, and assuming that you have, I would actually say that it starts that you start utilizing your professional skills or start developing them as well, whichever the case may be. And actually, it should always start with you know, in my opinion, with your resume, and what would you do with that resume? And the things that I would do with it is that I would have it reviewed a lot. Like, like the amount of times that I was able to have my resume reviewed by whether it be industry professionals, peers, family members, whatever the case may be, I always made sure that I was always on point to make sure that I put my, my, my best foot forward. So for example, um, one thing that I would actually say that everyone should do just to get a little technical here is that to make sure that your resume always has, you know, action and result statements with some kind of, you know, numbers on it. And what I mean by that is that like any statement that you have of a project that you did, of a club that you were part of, make sure that you put something significant that you did. And also what was the result of that? Did you meet some kind of requirement? Did you exceed that summer requirement? And by how much? And that's where kind of like the numbers come in. Maybe you exceeded that requirement by like 10, 20, 30%. Or you did something, you know, uh, extravagant during your time of that project or when you were at that club. Did you start a club and how many members does it have? You know, things like that because uh, a lot of um, companies are looking at that and they say like, oh, wow, this is pretty interesting. And then that's when they kind of have, you get them to start talking about you. They ask questions. They get very interested. They might see something within you that shows that you have really great technical skills, problem solve skills, leadership skills, whatever the case may be. So that's what I would say the first thing that you should be doing. The next thing that I did was actually I, you know, developed a good elevator pitch, you know, because they say that, you know, these things could only be like what I think it's like 60 seconds or something like that. And within that time frame, I was able to, you know, develop a good elevator pitch by, you know, briefly introducing myself mentioning a project or two that I'm really proud of and that I excelled in. And also that, you know, I mentioned any extracurricular, extracurricular activities that I was a proud of. So for example, SHIP, I was involved in SHIP heavily, like, you know, my last four years of college. So I made sure to mention that as well, because, you know, they want to see, a lot of companies want to see what you do outside of the classroom as well. And I always, and something that I always did as well is that I always, you know, practice my interview. Uh, I always practice, you know, interview questions and the star method with anybody that I felt comfortable with because 
when that time comes, you know, you don't want to start practicing maybe like a week or a day or two before. You want to you start practicing it way in advance. So when it does come around, you have that, you have that, um, you have that skill already set in stone and ready to go. So those are the few things that I did to utilize my professional skills. And what I would actually say, even before you actually start your job search, I would also make sure that you do a lot of research on companies that you want to work for and what they do at different locations. So when you do this, you look up like all the companies that you are interested in, whether they be your big time players like Northrop, Boeing, Lockheed, whatever the case may be, or they could be small time companies that, uh, that most people might know. But regardless, make sure that you research and find out what they do and, uh, and what they do at different locations that interest you. So do they do something, you know, maybe in, in the East Coast that really interests you? You might want to look up what they do there. And, you know, this can all be done through a simple Google search. And the reason why you want to do that is because this really benefits you because it shows companies that you are very interested in, that you took the time to research what they do and they might think that you, you're a good fit for them. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, like when I was talking to recruiters and all that stuff, I did see a huge difference in, you know, like in how they were interested or not so interested in me from before and after I did this. And I'll tell you, like they were way more interested when they knew that what I was talking about and, you know, like the different projects that they were doing, they were very impressed that I, you know, I did my research that I knew about them and I knew what they were all about and what they did. So they really liked that stuff. And I would, and by the way, this takes up a, a bit of time. I'm not gonna lie because um, I did this for every single company. I did this for, you know, North of Grumman, Lockheed, Boeing, JPL, whatever the case may be. I did it for a bunch of those different companies. So, you know, it does take a little time in research but I think it's very necessary for any person who's about to start off in their in their hunt for a full-time offer to do. Okay, Peter. So yeah, I'm very impressed in like uh, of your commitment prior to the going into job or going into career fairs, like researching companies and how you were like, so it showed them that, hey, I am interested in this company. I know what you're working on and so on and so forth. And I guess, so I do have a question for you. And the question is, if you are able to share it, is that what is your elevator pitch since you did bring it up earlier? Are you able to share it with us yeah. on the spot? Yeah, on the spot. Honestly, uh, no. On the spot, not really. <laughs> it has been a while. I'll tell you this much: uh, it has been a while since I've had it. But let me see. It did go something along the lines of, you know, obviously introduce myself. My name is Peter Cortez. I tell them my major, what I was interested in. I would tell them kind of like a little short story. Uh, I think I would mention of how my dad would um how my dad kind of inspired me to go into the aerospace field here, how he would take me to, you know, a bunch of air shows at Miramar, Riverside, and all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And I would see all of the cool airplanes that would pass by. He would give me astronomy books to read so that I got really interested in space and all that stuff. So I know I remember I briefly mentioned that. And like, again, this is like something that you have to do in like 60 seconds. So I mentioned that part. So I got them already hooked on. I, rem I already got them hooked on, like, you know, how I got into the aerospace field. And some people would actually even ask me questions about that, too. Like, like oh, you know, you mentioned, you know, your parents and how they took you here. And, you know, they would, I, I can't remember what exactly what they were, what they were asking, but they would ask me questions about that. And then I would go on to, you know, 
a few projects that I did. Like for example, I did um, a project that I was really uh, proud of was my senior uh, my senior project, I should say, which was uh, I was a part of the Voyager, Voyager three uh, conceptual mission, which I was a part of the mission design team. And from there, I will tell them about how I was able to, you know, I was able to meet some requirement. I believe it was the length of the time of the mission, which was by like, I don't know, I think it was like 30% like or something like that. But it was something that I was really, really proud of. And then I would mention my time and shit, you know, like, hey, I was a part of, you know, the fourth annual uh, professional development symposium. I was able to lead it, MC it, um, you know, uh, uh, lead out all the logistics and, you know, over a hundred, Plus people came to this event. But obviously I didn't say it like that. <laughs> but I mentioned those things and each one, each one of those elements at some point or another, they kind of recruiters and 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 other people who and others who are hiring, they were able to kind of like, you know, find some kind of interest in that. And then they would ask me questions about it. So that's why I kind of just share like how I would structure, you know like an elevator or like at least that's how my elevator pitch was structured but that's how I would recommend others to do it as well because like I think when you add and, and you have to do this correctly but when you add you know something like a personal element to your elevator pitch just like I did mine with my parents having like you know a huge influence of why I joined the aerospace industry that is something that like people will gravitate to or maybe you know Maybe something in between, whether it be a project that you did as well, something might gravitate and kind of like have, you know, that recruiter or that hiring manager to say like, oh, hey, you have some kind of similar interest. I want to know like more about it and like what you do. So, yeah, like good question, because, uh, yeah, you know, things like that, like do happen. So, yeah, I can't sorry, I can't really share what my elevator. <laughs> That's uh, fine. Uh, that's, that was a pretty good answer that you actually shared like you know, the structure or you, the, the way you structured it. So maybe others listening, our listeners can be able to like use your structure into their elevator pitches. So yeah, no, it was, it's totally okay. And then yeah, I guess so, pace, all you want. <laughs> just be sure remember, we don't, uh, we don't encourage plagiarism here. <laughs> awesome. All right, Peter. And then I guess uh, the next uh, topic or uh, question that I have for you would be, uh, what things did you do to get your job? Or can you walk us through the steps that you took to get your full-time offer? Yeah, so after, you know, I, I researched my uh, all the companies that I wanted to work for, you know, and made sure that my professional skills were on point, uh, I started to do what I think everyone should be doing, like, you know, like 99% of the time, which is networking, especially with networking with industry professionals and people that, uh, that are within your sphere of influence. So the reason why networking to me is kind of like the most important part is because I started off by just, you know, asking people that I already know to connect me with other industry professionals that they knew. And that benefited me so much because, because of that, I was able to, you know, uh, connect with, not only connect with, you know, industry professionals, but they would actually help me find, you know, job opportunities or maybe go to some event that could lead to job job opportunities so for example um i'm pretty sure for a lot of listeners that know out there i had a good friend named karen who, who um she actually uh, led me to speak to a retired northwood grumman employee and from there 
they, uh, he would actually send me to uh, the Great Minds in STEM conference, which happens during the fall. And that's where I actually ended up getting my full-time offer from North of Grumman. So imagine if I never reached out to my friend Karen and imagine if I never actually, you know, reached out to that uh, North of Grumman employee, I would have probably never gotten my North of Grumman, my North of Grumman offer. So, I mean, just little things. I mean, this is kind of why, like, I, I cannot stress enough how much how networking is like super important to, to anybody in any industry. So that's just like, you know, one of the many benefits I got, you know, the reason why I was able to, you know, uh, the reason why I was able to kind of like have my resume and my elevator pitch on point was because of networking. I met other individuals that I knew other individuals who were helping me make to make sure that my res my resume and my elevator pitch was as best as it can be. And again, I saw huge differences in in how uh, recruiters and hiring managers looked at me. I, I saw that that was getting way more interest after I made all, all those uh, all those improvements. So those are just like the many benefits that you get from networking. And, you know, th there's more to it than that than just talking to people, well, than just, you know, directly talking to people. You know, I would also send cold call emails, I guess you could say, to other industry professionals that I don't even know, that just some other people recommended. And, you know, I would make sure that they would be, uh, like current engineers who currently work for companies that, that I would want to work for in the future. And I did this for almost every single one as well. So I think I sent like maybe more than like a dozen emails or something like that. And again, like those, some led to nowhere, others led to, you know, a little bit of, you know, talking here and there and others led to like great connections that I'm like super grateful for. So that's, that's another part of networking that I would recommend uh, students to do today. And just to kind of give you an also an idea of like, you know, of how great networking is, I just thought of this uh, story right now, but um, I remember talking to a, a Lockheed Martin, a uh, current Lockheed Martin employee, and he ended up like uh, referring me to somebody else who worked also at Lockheed, but I think it was in the Colorado. And I remember him talking about how like, you know, he was in the same situation that I was in. So, you know, he was out of college. When he was graduating out of college, he didn't have any uh, job or he didn't have any job offers. So uh, he spent a lot of time, you know, trying to find, uh, you know, uh, a full-time offer, which was the same thing where I was. And he actually told me that he was probably in a more uh, worse situation than I was. So just hearing that and knowing that he ended up getting a job offer at Lockheed Martin made me kind of realize like, oh, wow, man, like I could really do this myself. So that kind of motivated and pushed me even more to go forward. So outside of networking, I would also say that, I mean, you, you should also uh, apply online, but I would actually say that this should only really take out maybe like 10% of your time when it comes to you job searching or maybe trying to find an internship. Because I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've actually, I've actually never really met anybody that I know of, or at least that I think that I know of, has actually ever gotten like a job by just straight applying online and just doing nothing but applying online. I've never seen someone get an engineering job just by doing that, who was kind of in a similar situation that I was in, or, you know, barely, you know, com uh, coming, you know, fresh and straight out of college. So, you know, again, I think this is the least effective way to try to find a full-time offer, so I wouldn't do too much time. 
but I would still do it because, you know, again, you don't, you, you always want to keep your options open. So I would actually still do it, but it shouldn't take that much. And then um, outside of applying online and networking with others, I kind of mentioned this earlier, I would also uh, recommend the students to actually attend a lot of hiring and informational events as well. So that includes things like I mentioned before, the Great Minds and STEM conference, the SHIP National Conference, any other conference that, that you know that there's a company that you want to work for that's going to be there and that's going to be actively hiring. And I, I understand that you know these conferences can be quite expensive, but there's also probably a lot of uh, school resources that are that are completely free to you guys as well that you could be using that I certainly use. Like for example, I know I know that I know Jesus, you've been to these, you know, the the CPP career fairs that, you know, I think they host like two or three of them throughout the school year. And I also use the, utilize the Handshake Plus, I think that's what it's called. And, you know, they had a lot of like, you know, informational sessions from a lot of big aerospace companies. So they might have other ones for other engineering, uh, for other engineers as well. So, you know, I was able to, you know, attend them. I met industry professionals that I've never thought of that I would meet before, I network with them. Like I said, sometimes it would lead to something, sometimes it would not. I at least, you know, was able to put my resume out there to them to see that, you know, I exist, that, you know, that I'm currently applying and I'm trying to find a full-time offer. And, you know, I've also heard of different stories from other individuals that they were actually able to learn something by one of these, you know, small little informational sessions and events. So I would definitely, try to attend as many hiring events and informational events as possible. Because remember, I was able to land an offer from one of these uh, national events as well. So I would definitely highly recommend. I just wanted to, I just wanted to add on to what you said, like about how like you found your job through um, your, through these national events. I just want to second that because uh, me, uh, for me, I currently work at Edwards Air Force Base and I found my full-time offer through the Ship Nationals Career Fair. It was back in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I believe it was the year 2019 i would like to say yeah yeah i remember that i remember that too you you were like super stoked and excited about that i like <laughs> yeah, that. that yeah that's where i pretty well at first it started off as an internship and then eventually i worked on the internship and i guess my managers they just like they just like to keep me around and then uh they eventually turned into a full-time offer after i graduated so yep i just wanted a second to that that comment that you made or that statement that you made yeah absolutely i mean i mean you hear it all the time it's not just me and you it's, it's like I know a bunch of other people, whether it be shit members from California in the past and the present, and even currently now, like I know a bunch of people who are getting like internships left right and center from, you know, these uh, national events or all these different organizations. So yeah, again, I would actually third that as well. <laughs> but uh, outside of, you know, I guess, the, I guess you could say like my final step of, you know, my whole journey of what things that I did at least from finding a full-time offer was, uh, I mentioned this previously before, but again, I, I would actually stress this highly as well, and is keep preparing for that interview. And, you know, within this interview, I know it could be seen like if you're talking to like God himself, because it could be that nerve wracking, but it really isn't once you start, you know, being confident about yourself, once you start actually practicing and preaching what you do. So, you know, not only would I practice, you know, interview questions like from the STAR method, but also so practice like my elevator pitch because what I've noticed a lot of what these interviews do, they always ask like the question of like, the first question they always ask you is like, tell me a little bit about yourself or something like that. But they always say it in like a strange way 
that even I got when I was interviewing for some company, I was just like, what? Like, like, do they really just want me to like, you know, they, they just pretty much said to like, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, but in a very super like, you know, high vocabulary way of saying it. And I was just like, but <laughs> again, with practice, it does help. And, you know, I guess you could say even an elevator pitch would kind of, kind of you know, help with trying to, you know, answer that question. But yeah, practice interview questions, practice with someone that you really trust. And I would actually also say to contact people that you know that already work for that company that you're, that you're interviewing for. Because I remember I, I contacted two friends of mine who, who, one who just recently got hired by Northrop Grumman and one that has been working there for like about a full year now or a little bit more than a year at the time. And I would ask them questions and I'll ask them tips like, hey, like, what can I expect from this? You know, like, what should I do? What are the, how, like, like, what are some questions that you remember getting and what, what are they looking for and things of that nature? So yeah, definitely keep preparing for that interview because when, when I followed these steps, I started feeling way more confident within myself to where I started telling myself that like, I gotta keep preparing for interviews because it's not a matter of like, if I get a full, or if I get an interview, but like, when is it gonna come? Because that's how like, you know, confident I felt at the time when I was trying to, when I was you know, going through my journey of finding a full time. Yeah, so I noticed that you mentioned that you graduated spring 2020 and you got your job around, what was it, November 2020? Yeah, yeah. So I think it was like a six month gap or something like that. Yeah. So I was curious to know how you kept yourself motivated and retained the information you had gained in college. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty, pretty difficult. Like, well, yeah, it, it is pretty difficult to, you know, stay motivated because, you know, for anybody who's in a STEM field, especially engineering, you know, there's hardly any time, like for almost anything else, like, you know, I feel like when I was in college, I had something due back to back to back. So your time is very limited. But once I graduated uh, with my degree, I noticed that I had like a bunch of time left over. So it's really easy to, you know, fall into the pit hole of like, you know, not wanting wanting to maybe relax a bit, which there's nothing wrong with relaxing. I would recommend it. But, you know, you could really lose your motivation because you feel like you're out of college. You might get into, it's very easy to fall into that mindset of like, you know, I'm that college student with an engineering degree but no actual engineering job so but to kind of get out of that and to kind of not you know think that certain way the way that I you know motivated myself was that I actually continued to network with current engineers in in industry which again can't stress enough networking but it also kind of helped out with my psyche as well because I kind of felt that like I was at kind of the, you know, the big boy table. I was there with them, you know, as an engineer, talking with an engineer side by side and things of that nature. So, you know, that really helped in it. At the same time, I was also gaining a bunch of information that I needed in order to get hired onto somewhere. And not only that, but kind of like how you mentioned, I actually continued to uh, learn new skills and refresh on old ones as well. So any new skill that I, that I needed to learn because of, you know, I would look at job descriptions and I would see like, hey, maybe we want you to learn this coding language. I decided to go on, you know, YouTube and, you know, start looking up a bunch of tutorials to say like, you know, how to get better at, you know, or how to like be, or like C++, you know, for beginners or something like that. And, you know, I would find new softwares 
and you know and things to do that were engineering related that would kind of help me you know have a better shot at finding jobs because then I could tell recruiters and, and maybe other hiring managers are like hey I've been learning how to you know this and I've been making a project using this software that I learned by myself or whatever the case may be and then not only that like I said I also refreshed on old skills as well so for example since I'm very interested in the field of astrodynamics uh, I made sure that I you know busted out my orbital mechanics book and then I started you know reading it again and making sure I was refreshing on it and looking up the problems that you know my professors gave me at the time and even challenging myself by doing other problems so that you know, I could continue knowing that, like, hey, I know this knowledge and that that it's still fresh in my brain. So when I do need it, whenever the time comes that I do need it, it's like there in my brain ready to go. And I'm still doing that now because, like I said, I got my job offer like, like, like more than a year ago now. And I'm still waiting on my security clearance and all that stuff. But even, even to this day, I'm still refreshing on those old skills. Like, I actually, I think it was like maybe a couple months ago, I decided to take a crash course in astrodynamics from the University of Auburn, Auburn that they were they were offering that a friend sent to me. So, you know, I decided to take that and I'm still refreshing on my old skills as well. So um, going back to, you know, your question, that's how I kind of stayed motivated. You know, I made, I still, I, I did these things because I, I needed to feel like, you know, I was still in college, you know, that I was still, I had that feeling of like, hey, you're still in the game. You're still trying to actively find a full-time offer and you're doing this because look, you're you're making sure that you learn new skills. You're making sure that you know your your old skills. You're still networking. You're still trying to find those opportunities. So that's how I was able to kind of you know, kind of uh, I guess you could say, uh, I guess you could say kind of stay in the loop and also you know keep myself going and like again, staying like staying with that positive mindset that I mentioned earlier, like, hey, you're gonna find something. It's only a matter of like time. It's a matter of like when, not a matter of like, you know, like if you even are gonna grab, uh, have a full time offer or not. So that's how I was actually able to stay motivated through that, you know, six month gap, I guess. So. All right, so, all right, Peter. So um, I guess one question that I have for you is that, would you say that going back to the material, like your coursework, was it a lot easier to understand now that you've seen it like for the, I guess, maybe the 10th time, <laughs> like after, you know, after you graduated and just now seeing the material again, would you say it's a lot easier to understand? Uh, actually, it actually really is a lot easier to understand. And it's, it's kind of funny how that works and how you mentioned that because um, when I was going through this material, I remember when I first looked at it, when it was first being taught to me, some of this stuff was like chicken scratch to me. I was just like, what, what is this? I, it's like reading a different language, right? But when I came back to it, I realized and I was just like, oh man, this is like easier than I thought. Like, like I mean, like what was I doing before that I couldn't understand this, you know? It's kind of, I always refer it back to kind of like how, um, I don't know if you guys ever went through this, but I remember when I was in high school and I was taking calculus one and I thought that was the hardest thing on earth, you know, take the AP exam and you fail it, or at least I failed it. <laughs> But, you know, at the time, I thought it was like the hardest thing in the world. But the minute that I took it in college, all of a sudden, it was super easy. I, I passed it with like an A plus or whatever the case may be. And next thing you know, I'm just like, to answer your question, Jesus, it was definitely like 10 times easier for some reason. Like when I look back at it now and I'm just like, oh, wait, I get it now. I get this concept much better than when I first looked at it you know, the first time.
And I guess uh, one question that I have now for you is that now that you've gone through your undergrad and have secured a job, is there any advice you would like to give to current students? Uh, yeah, so there, there is quite a bit of advice that I would give other students and mainly is to not make the mistakes that I made. So I made quite a few errors, uh, especially early on in my undergraduate career. So um, some of those mistakes, just to list a few, is that I, I wasn't really involved into extracurricular activities until I think it might have been like my junior year is when I first started. Uh, actually, no, no, it was actually my, it was like halfway through my sophomore year. That's when I decided to start uh, being involved with ship, but I wasn't actually, you know, I, I would show up to meetings, but I didn't actually, you know, participate in, you know, any committees or anything like that. That, that came maybe the following year. So yeah, that wasn't really good. And the same thing with technical projects. I, I think I started uh, being involved with that in my junior year as well. So again, I waited a long time to start these two important uh important um, parts in my academic career when I should have been doing this my freshman year and that's what I would tell like uh, especially under like uh, early uh, under undergraduate classmen is that they should really start doing this stuff now like the first year your freshman year you should start and if you're not you should if you're a sophomore you start doing it now in your sophomore year because this is going to really benefit you later on in the future and Another mistake that I made that I could actually remember off the top of my head is that I actually believe that internship opportunities were impossible as an early undergraduate. So to give you guys an idea of like what my mindset was as, you know, Peter as 18 year old, fresh out of high school, first stepped onto, Cal onto the Cal Poly campus. I actually thought that like, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna bother trying to look for internships that's for upperclassmen that's for juniors seniors uh fifth year six years whatever the case may be because they know more about aerospace than I do because I'm just barely starting off while they have taken so many courses but that's not the case like at all at all at all as a matter of fact I've heard a bunch of people have had internships like their first their first year like after so when they would exit their freshman year they would already they would already have like some kind of internship at JPL or Northrop or whatever the case may be. And so when I heard, when I saw that and heard that, which was kind of later on, you know, in my academic career, I was just like, wow, I can't believe I actually thought that that was impossible for me. But all it really takes is for me to kind of put myself out there and know the little knowledge that I do know and, you know, start talking to recruiters, whoever those recruiters may be to at least, you know, get some experience out there to know how to talk to industry professionals. And again, you should, be start, you should start doing this stuff as early as possible as you can. The minute that you land on that campus, you should already start like, you know, not only looking like being busy with your coursework and getting straight A's, but also making sure that you're looking for internship opportunities. And yeah, I think uh, that's about it. The, the last mistake that I think I made was just being a late bloomer and developing my professionals because I didn't, I didn't take that seriously until my fourth year. So again, do that your freshman year, do that as early as you can for those who are not freshmen or sophomores. I would say do that now because again, it's going to benefit you way later in the future. Uh, well, well, thank you, Peter, for taking time out every day to talk to us and share your experience. And we greatly appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck over at Northrop Grumman and of course, Boulder, Colorado, man. <laughs> 
Yeah. Ho hopefully, you know, my my security clearing passes through already so I can could, I could start my career because I'm really eager to start. <laughs> yeah, awesome, man. Best of luck, dude. And I just, we just want to wish, uh, the, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. And we'd also just like as a recap of what we discussed is that we discussed about getting a full-time offer with limited experience, a step-by-step -step process, uh, uh, Peter's gap between graduation and receiving an offer, and how to be in a more comfortable situation. And uh, so once again, we'd like to thank you, the listeners. And if you would like to connect with us and want to stay up to date with our most recent podcast and chapter activities, follow us on Instagram at cppship and check out the chapter's website at cppship.org. Uh, this is Jesus Palazuelos, and I'm here with Ben and Peter Cortez, and we are signing out. Thank you.